Tremendous thing. There are two major portions in Scripture that are written about Yom Kippur. Thank you. Um, the first one is Leviticus 23. So let's take a look at it now. You know, oftentimes we, we don't look at the, the things that are most new in our heart and our mind, and, and we just, uh, we don't repeat it. And I think God is definitely a God of repetition for us. He feels that uh, if, he, if it's not repeated, we're not going to get it. So, um, you know, we had Rosh Hashanah, the, the Yom Teruah, the Feast of Trumpets, and uh, now we're in the middle of these three holy days, Yom Kippur, and we've gone through the days of awe, and now we are waiting for coming Friday evening, Sukkot, and uh, a wonderful holy day of, of great joy, and coming together and rejoicing together. So I, I pray that this is, is a good season for you. Let's look at Leviticus 23. Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, However, the tenth day of the seventh month is Yom Kippur, a holy convocation. In other words, a service. You're, you're coming together to you. So you are to afflict yourselves. You're to bring an offering made by fire to Adonai. You're not to do any kind of work on that set day. For it is Yom Kippur to make atonement for you before Adonai your God. Now I think that that would have been enough to understand we're not supposed to work. Uh, and we are to deny ourselves, we're to be humble. But it, here comes the repetition. Um, verse 29, for anyone who does not deny himself on that day must be cut off from his people. That's pretty severe. Anyone who does any kind of work on that day, that person I will destroy from among his people. And just in case you haven't gotten it yet, the next verse says you should do no kind of work. <laughs> it's a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. So God is trying to cover all the bases here for you. Uh, it's not only forever, but it's for all your generations, which is kind of the same. And wherever you live, so... Don't try and get out of it. It's to be a Shabbat of soul, a solemn rest for you, and you are to humble your souls. Again, repetition. On the ninth day of the month in the evening, from evening until evening, you are to keep your Shabbat. So we see very clearly here how God is, is wanting us to look at, at Yom Kippur. It's a time for confessing. It's a time for repenting. It's a time to get closer to God and to be in his presence. Interesting enough, as I mentioned last night, um, many Jewish people and others really don't see themselves as sinners. And I certainly didn't when I was growing up. I thought I was a good guy, didn't 
you know, do things in general that were bad, so I thought I was good. And um, it was, you know, as I mentioned last night, most people, they realize they're sinners and they have a need for Yeshua. I did it the opposite way. I accepted Yeshua and then I realized I had a need to have atonement <laughs> because then I realized that my sins, uh, I didn't realize them before. Now the other uh, place that is, uh, we see a large portion set aside for Yom Kippur is a description of what should happen in the temple with the high priest. But I'm going to summarize it in one sentence. The high priest makes atonement for himself and then for all of Israel. We'll keep it like that for now. Uh, Yom Kippur is that time. And interesting enough, we've always needed a high priest. Yet, what do people tell you? Uh, they say, oh, I don't need anybody else. Uh, I have a personal relationship or I, I have a, a, a relationship with God. I, I don't need anybody in between us. But that's not biblical. The Jewish people always had someone between them. I mean, even Moses was an example that when he went to the mountain and, and the, the people kind of followed for a little and then there was thunder and lightning and all of a sudden the people backed up and they said, nah, Moses, you go. Because really he was the representative of God to the people. And even in the beginning, Abraham taught his family. He was the representative at that point of God to the rest of the people. So we see this as, as a norm. And, and um, so it was normal that the high priest would then be the go-between the people and the Lord. Now, interesting enough, when you do, you, if you find yourself repeating the same sins, the same confessions to God, and your sins are the same this year as last year, we we need to make sure that our commitment on this day not just be for today, but would be for the year or our lifetime. In John 1, 8 and 9, it says, if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Also, let's take a look at Romans 7, 18. For I know that nothing dwells, a good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For to will is present in me, but to do, uh, but to do the good is not. 
for the good that I want, I do not do. But the evil that I do not want, this I practice. But if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I doing it, but the sin that dwells in me. Now, you might say, well, that's using an excuse, saying it's not your fault, it's the sin dwelling in you. But we have that opportunity to take authority over that sin and take authority over the enemy. So I find the principle that evil is present in me, um, you know, I think that it is something that you have to come to grips with. Because on one hand, you need to know that you're a sinner. On the other hand, you should not be condemning yourself. Because condemnation, it just brings you into bondage. And we certainly don't have that. Um, when we confess our sins, we're telling God that this is what we know about. When we repent, we say, this is what we know about. We're sorry, but we're going to change our actions. In Isaiah 55, 7, it says this, which is a good actual summary of today. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous one his thoughts. Let him return to Adonai so that he, may, meaning the Lord, may have compassion on him, us, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And so uh, sin pushes us away from God. We know this in, uh, in Isaiah 59, verse 2. But one of the things that's interesting about this Holy Day is the book that is usually read during this time period is the book of Jonah. So why do we read the book of Jonah? Well, let's look at some of these verses and figure it out. Jonah 1, 1 through 3, Now the word of Adonai came to Jonah, son of Amittai, Rise, go to the great city of Nineveh and call out to her, for their evil has risen before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of Adonai. So here we go. Jonah's in God's presence. They're having this discussion. God says to Jonah, go. And Jonah does the opposite. He goes, but he leaves. So he's disobeying God. He was absolutely intentional about his sin. If he loved God, Jonah seemed to love his own will more. And on the boat during the storm, as you know the story goes, the men asked Jonah, who is he and where did he come from? because of the storm and Jonah saying, well, I'm, I'm the cause of the storm. So then Jonah says in verse nine, I'm a Hebrew and I fear a God of the heavens who made the sea and the dry land. He does? Really? Is that how you fear God by disobeying him? 
an interesting guy, Jonah. So in Jonah 2.2, Jonah prayed to Adonai, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, from my distress, I cried to Adonai and answered me. Now, what I'd like you to really understand is that there is no doubt that Jonah is a sinner. And there's no doubt that he sinned directly against God. But there's also no doubt that God was still going to use him. And that Jonah, even though it didn't seem like he had a heart relationship with God, he certainly knew who God was and said he feared him. And obviously, there was discussion going back and forth. So he was in his presence. In Jonah 2.5, and I said, I've been banished from before your eyes, yet I will continue to look toward your holy temple. So he's saying, okay, I did wrong, but I'm going to continue trying to follow you. So let's see. Jonah 2.10, but I, with a voice of thanks, will sacrifice to you what I vowed I will pay. Salvation is from Adonai. So he says the right things, and we see then in Jonah 3, 1 through 4, now the word of Adonai came to Jonah a second time, saying, rise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out to it the proclamation that I am telling you. So Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of Adonai. Now Nineveh was a great city to God, the length of uh, a three uh, was a great city to God. Yeah, the, the length of a three-day journey. So Jonah began to come into the city for one day's journey, and he cried out, saying, Another 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. God gave him what seems to be eight words to say, and that was it. And the people believed, they repented and God poured out his grace. So one of the things I'd like you to learn from this story, and I think it really has a lot to do with Yom Kippur, is that Jonah did not follow God, but then he finally did. But Jonah never had his heart to the Lord. And the reason I can say that, well, let's, let's go a little further and see why I say that. In 310, uh, God saw their deeds uh, turn from their wicked ways. God relented. So in 410, uh, Jonas, but Adonai said, you have pity on the plant. Uh, God had put Jonah by a plant. Jonah again had, was on the run and uh, for which you did not labor or make it grow, that appeared overnight and perished overnight. So shouldn't I have pity on Nineveh, the great city that has in it more than 120,000 people? Jonah did what God asked the second time, at any rate. But he was not happy that 120,000 people were pardoned that God did not destroy the city. 
Because Jonah's heart was different from God's heart. Jonah did things out of obedience. God is looking for you to obey him because your heart feels what God's will is. And so you're willing to do that. One of the greatest problems with how Jonah ended up is you would have thought that after 120,000 people came to know God and repented and were really given tremendous grace that Jonah would have been extremely happy. But Jonah was extremely sad. And that's how he died. He died in sadness. Because when we follow God with our heart, we have amazing joy. When we follow God as an obligation, we have nothing. And in this case, Jonah couldn't even be happy. He couldn't be happy. There's so many people, even people who believe in God, who do things out of obligation and are unhappy. But when you do things because your heart is lining up with God, you have joy. And the very scriptures, the very scriptures that explain about this joy and you know we keep going back to philippians 4 4 through 8 because that's where it's all about joy and we'll do it later on this this evening in in the nila service but in joel 2 12 and 13 it says yet even now it's a declaration of adonai turn to me with all your heart with fasting weeping lamenting rend your heart not your garments, and turn to Adonai your God, for he's gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abundant in mercy, and relenting about the calamity due. And in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 9, now I rejoice that you, not that you were grieved, but that you were grieved to the point of repentance. For you were grieved according to God's will, so that you might in no way suffer loss from us. For the grief that God wills brings a repentance that leads to salvation, leaving no regret. But the world's grief brings death. Think about it. Think about it. The things that we grieve in the world, that stuff brings death. But what God wills brings repentance and leads us to salvation, to have eternal life. Nehemiah 9.28, when they repented and cried out to you, Lord, you heard from heaven, and according to your compassion, you delivered them many times. How many times? Is, willing, is God willing to forgive you? How many times is he willing to deliver you? Tonight, 
I'm today, I, I should say, we, we have uh, a minute of silence for you to consider your sins. Confessing is good, but repenting is even better. And to do it because your heart is, is saying to do it, that's even the best. For those who have never accepted Yeshua, the sinless lamb, Yom Kippur is the perfect time to repent and receive Yeshua. So whether you're here or on Facebook Live, in Acts 3 it says, repent therefore and return so your sins might be blotted out. And when it talks about blotted out, it's talking about the book of life. So times of relief might come from the presence of Adonai and he might send Yeshua, the Messiah, appointed for you. So at this time, if anybody would like to do that, you just feel free to say these words to yourself. Lord, I confess my sins to you. I repent. Yeshua, atone for my sins. You have my heart, Yeshua, and I'm dedicating my life to you. Pray this in the name of Yeshua. And if anybody has said that here or on Facebook Live or hearing us and at a later date, please contact us. We'd love to talk to you about it. We'd love to give you some free material, free book uh, on the subject and help you on a tremendous journey, the journey of a lifetime, which is to know God, not only that he exists, but that God is such a, an amazing God that he literally can deal with all of us separately at the same time. And so he can call us. And it's not the person sitting next to you. He's calling each one of us to be a disciple of his. I pray this in the name of Yeshua allow people to just overcome whatever the difficulties are and let them receive you, Lord. I pray for this in the name of Yeshua.